Welcome to the Nonprofit Exchange Podcast. Stories by leaders for leaders to help you raise the bar on your own excellence to release the potential inside of you. Now, here's today's podcast. Greetings, it's Hugh Ballou. Welcome to this episode of the Nonprofit Exchange with Russell and Hugh. Russell, hope you're doing well today. <laughs> It is a wee bit nippy here. We had a little snow, but we are moving around and life is going on here in the Mountain West. Yeah, Russell's in the, <clears throat> excuse me, a little thing in my throat. A little, he's in the, the Pointy Mountains out there in, in Colorado. We're in the round the old mountains here in uh, western central Virginia in Lynchburg. And um, Bonnie and Michael are here to tell the story and let's start with a little bit of background and then before we get too far i have a little video clip i want to play video audio clip i want to play and uh, but bonnie and michael tell us a little bit about yourselves what led you to want to found a winery and what was your passion for connecting the business with the nonprofits? and then i'll play that little clip well it's it's a real interesting story. We never had a passion for wine as so many people in the wine industry have. We had a passion for the beautiful outdoors and the Russian River and here in Sonoma County, Northern California and the ocean. So that's why we lived here. Uh, we are both business consultants. So the work that we found was working with people that had vineyards and had wineries because that's the greatest thing happening in Sonoma County. So as I was going along helping a client of mine take care of his office and looking over his business, I saw that he hadn't been paid for his grapes. And he was owed quite a bit of money, $300,000 for three years worth of grape harvest. And um, I said, well, maybe I can take a look at your contract and let's see what we can do to get these funds coming in for you. And he said, well, I don't have a contract. All I have is weight tags, which is a weight, you know, how much the grapes had weighed and a verbal agreement. And I said, well, that's, that's good. We know we've got an agreement, but that's a little larger than the amount that I'm going to try to tackle on your behalf. But I've got this new boyfriend over here, Michael, who's also a business consultant. I said, why don't we bring in the big guns and see what he can do to collect that 300000 <laughs> so I went to the winery to collect the money for her client who was a grape grower and they had just declared bankruptcy that day. The winery had. Oh, yeah. So it didn't look very good for the home team, but I was able to finagle a trade of bulk wine and bottling services instead of money. So I came back and I said, I think we've got it solved. I got, $300,000 worth of wine and bottling services. I said, all we have to do is come up with a name, a label, a marketing program. You know, how hard could that be? How long could that take? Well, it took about 20 years. But one of the things that we had to do was we had to advertise it. We had to get people to know what barefoot wine was. And we didn't have any money for advertising. So what we did is we decided to support the nonprofits that we already liked. And we decided to support them by providing them with wine for their fundraisers 
and we did some interesting things. We took their message into the store and actually gave their message to shoppers. And that, that's a kind of a, a, a venue that they didn't have access to. So it's a new forum. And uh, we were able to help them raise funds. We, we work with all kinds of groups all across the United States, including uh, state park foundations, uh, conservation organizations, education organizations, uh, you name it, theatrical groups. Um, basically, we are conservationists and we are patrons of the arts as well as education. So we found a way to use our business to help the causes that we hold dear. That's, that's, a, how, that's how Barefoot got started. That's a fascinating story. So let me just play a little, a little clip here for people real quick. She needed to make it solid. She needed Michael to draw it. And she needed this to happen fast. That's why she was almost vibrating to get it out and why she hustled a half-asleep Michael to the little green chalkboard in the kitchen. I know what the label looks like. This is going to be a big success. I can see it stacked in supermarkets. This is going to sell a lot of wine. Michael picked up the chalk and started to draw. Quick, quick, draw a foot. What kind of foot? A nice foot. Just draw it. Michael sketched a slim right foot along the bottom of the chalkboard. No, 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 stand it up. He erased it and drew one with the heel at the bottom and the toes straight up. Close. Tilt it to the right. He erased and drew again. No, no, more tilt. Just a little. Make it look like there's some motion. It's like someone is stepping up. Bonnie's voice was getting louder. She was talking faster, feeling like this was even more urgent. Her panic was growing. They could not lose this idea. Is that it? By now, the chalkboard had a layer of white dust from all the erased chalk. Really close. The foot should look like an exclamation point, an italicized exclamation point. And give it a little more arch. It got more tilt. It got more arch. How's that? Now right barefoot. Michael put down barefoot next to the angled drawing. Closer. Move it closer. Put the T all the way inside the arch. Bonnie stopped bouncing and looked at it. The board was nearly white. The air was filled with chalk dust. They stood silently, surrounded by their intensity. Both were taking big breaths. <sighs> Bonnie's fear had dissipated. They looked at a slim right foot pointing up at a two o'clock angle, acting as an exclamation point for the barefoot written into the arch. They both thought it was good, but they had no idea that in not much more than a decade, it would become an iconic national label. <sighs> there, that's what the label looks like. That's gonna sell a lot of wine. And that's how the label was designed. Oh, that's clever. That is so clever. So let's let's dig into this um, this topic that you that you said that we're going to talk about today. How do you, how do you use support for nonprofits to build a commercial brand? So you started talking about that. So just explain what's behind that title and and why that's important. Well, the topic. Uh, really has to do with a challenge that every business faces. And that is, how do you get the word out about your goods and services? Now, 
most people call that commercial advertising and they want to see a big advertising budget. But you know, if you are selling a product that is sold in a local area, your targeting is much better if you work with a local group that is in that same area. So in other words, the people at the nonprofit are given a social reason to buy your product and they know right where it is. They know it's right there in their neighborhood. And this nonprofit already has a following. So many uh, people and companies are going out there looking for a following. We worked with organizations that were already uh, filled with people that were very, very excited about their mission. So we automatically got their following um, to pay attention to us because we were supporting their cause. Yeah, there's a lot of talk today about networking. Right. So why not use a network that already exists uh, through a worthy cause, mm -hmm. a nonprofit that's trying to do something of value to, you know, the, the community. And that's the way we reasoned it out. So we actually got started with one group in San Francisco who was trying to raise money for an after school park. And they called us up for money because they thought we were rich. Boy, <laughs> was that a mistake. Uh, but we said, look, we don't have any money, but we'll be happy to give you some wine. You can use it for your fundraiser. You know, maybe it'll loosen some people up and they'll write a bigger check. Uh, you know, maybe uh, you can auction it off and you can use the money for some swings and slides for your after school park. And they, they took the wine. Uh, I'm sure they were a little disappointed. We didn't write them a check for 50,000 bucks. <laughs> but we noticed that the sales in their neighborhood were increasing dramatically. And when we noticed that, we said, you know, I wonder if this would work in another neighborhood. So we went to another neighborhood and they were doing a, a creek cleanup and they needed to raise funds for their cr creek cleanup. So we gave, them the, we gave them the products to use for their fundraiser. So this isn't like just giving away product to nonprofits. It's actually a form of marketing where you have to have agreements with the nonprofit as the private company so that the people in the nonprofit can do the things they can do that will help promote your company and you can do the things that you can do to help promote the nonprofit. And those are tangible things and we made lists of those things. But uh, many people, they try to uh, support uh, worthy causes and they say, oh, well, it didn't, it didn't affect my sales. I didn't see any. Well, they did it wrong. They just flat out did it wrong. You have to ask them, you know, would you announce that we're going to be your sponsor in your newsletter? Oh, yes, we will. That costs us nothing. We'll be happy to do it. Would you announce from the podium on the day of the fundraiser that we're your sponsor? Oh yes, we'll do that. That costs us nothing, okay? And, and would you allow us to speak to your group and tell your group why we support your group and what we're going to do to promote your group's goals uh, at the supermarket, for instance? In your neighborhood. In your neighborhood, see? <laughs> and, oh, no, that would cost us nothing. Sure, you can do that. And the list goes on and on. And then what we did for them was we would take little signs and put them on the necks of our bottle. Imagine, 
don't just pay me $6 for this bottle of wine, but give $10 to this worthy cause. Here's what they're doing. And this is why you should, you should donate. The missing piece for most charities, because marketing is not something that comes naturally. Uh, matter of fact, they, they shy away from telling the story, is giving them the ideas. Here's how you do it. Um, yeah. So we had, a, as a guest a while back, a Ross Halleck, who owns Halleck Vineyards, up, up from you in Sebastopol, and he does vintner dinners. And, right. And, but you got to have the right clientele who wants to buy a $75 bottle of wine. And, yeah. and I'm president of the Lynchburg Symphony Orchestra Board, and we did a fundraiser with Viking Cruises. And that's just, you don't, you know, you don't go to a Baptist church and do a wine dinner and you don't go in the ghetto and do a, a Viking cruise or people with children that want to go on a Disney cruise. So it's really having, it's compatible. It's a win for the, for the business. It's a win for the nonprofit and everybody has a good time. And so well, what the missing piece is, is giving them the, 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 the steps to do it because they don't know that. Yeah, it has to be a match. And it, there has to be procedures that are followed. Uh, and they have to be well thought out procedures. Uh, you as the company have to think about what the nonprofit can do that doesn't cost them anything. And, and, and maybe just give you permission to do things for them. Um, what we did is we, we would help them set up and tear down for their events. And they would see us actually doing that. actually producing labor for them. And when they saw that, they said, well, you know, if I, I have to buy some wine, I could buy any wine, but I'm going to buy barefoot wine because they supported my nonprofit. So this is a, this is a really strong way to market because you're, you're creating not just a customer, but an advocate. Well, it's relationship building. You know, you've got intellectual property or product, and you want financial property or product. So in the middle is relationship. So you got, you got intellectual capital, you want financial capital, let's, let's put relationship capital. It's so important in leadership and in ministry and in fundraising and anything that we're doing. It's really, that's, you've, you've hit on some really key, key sound bites here for people to pay attention to. So you mentioned a couple um, in your notes, a couple of uh, organizations. You want to highlight one or so of the Surfrider Foundation, the League to the League to Save the Lake Tahoe, or the Mono Lake Committee. You, you want to lift up? You talked about that one, or the something jump out about these you want to share? When we started off, we worked and, and we continued to work with small neighborhood nonprofits, but there were a few nonprofits that were really larger than that. When we started with the Surfrider Foundation. Uh, who is responsible for checking the ocean for safety to make sure there's no toxic chemicals in the waters. Um, when we started with them, they only had three chapters and we were basically only selling in the West Coast. So we were both pretty small. As we grew, they grew. Now the Surfrider Foundation uh, now is all over the world and so is Barefoot. And um, we supported them because surfers surf barefoot. And there's so many people out on the beach that are barefoot. 
Okay, so we kind of tied that in. Another thing is we were looking to get people who were on vacation, people who were recreational. So we went along the coast in Southern California, which is where their first three chapters were. And they had a division called the Blue Water Task Force. And that's what they were uh, looking to get funded so they could pay for these little test kits that they gave their surfers that would be used to test the waters. So it seemed like a perfect match for us. We could put their tags over the bottle and put them on the shelf in all the towns that uh, had coastal waters where people would go out and, and enjoy the water with their families. And um, instead of so many companies, they say, well, take $2 off your cheese or buy one, get one half off or something like that. So they're always offering people something, which sounds like a great idea. But we were saying, buy a bottle of barefoot wine and donate $10 to the Surfrider Foundation to help keep the waters clean. So even though it seems contrary to what's worked in the past, because we were asking the customers to do something, they felt the customers felt involved. They learned about Surfrider Foundation and their Blue Water Task Force for the first time in the marketplace by reading the sign and by, and by you know, researching what the surf riders were doing. And they were able to raise over $100,000 from those tags that we put out on the shelf. So this is one of the larger nonprofits. And as I said, they grew tremendously uh, as we were growing. Uh, and it worked very, very well for us because really what they're doing is in a very small local area. It's just many local areas that have waters that there are surfers in and that are being tested. So uh, they have helped us as well. When we started in a new state of Florida, we had a test market. And if we didn't pass the test and sell a thousand cases in three months, well, we were gonna be discontinued and they'd never take our product, right? So we told the Surfrider Foundation who had had a few of their chapters there in Florida that this was going on. We said, hey, can you guys, you know, go in there and support Barefoot? And if you do that, we'll have wine in Florida. When you have a fundraiser, we can give you some more wine in this state for your fundraiser. Well, apparently it worked because we sold the heck out of the product and uh, did very well. You know, it's looking for that win-win. That's so important. And just having that open conversation about it from the very beginning. Yeah. Russell's been very quiet. I'm going to let, let him come in with some observations. And you have, a, you have some question brewing, Russell? Well, yeah, I was thinking about that. We had a guest on that wrote a book uh, for small business owners to talk about how working with nonprofits helped them. And uh, you've got worthy cause marketing, which is uh, different from the buzz, the corporate social responsibility buzz. But, you know, the premise is very similar. So with worthy cause, um, and you've got very localized partners, how did you go about picking these folks and um, how did you really get get started with with those first ones 
well to us because they were you know most nonprofits are looking for funding so let's just face it that's what they're looking for and so we didn't have any funds uh, but we gave them what we did have and in the process we learned that we could not only help them we could help them raise the very funds they thought we had in fact we could help them raise the funds better than they could because we were a professional marketing organization and we had access to the store shelves. We could put tags, you know, hundreds of thousands of tags on products throughout an entire metropolitan area that supported this particular worthy cause. So what we did is throughout the United States in every area, we had what we called a barefooter and he worked for us. And he was in charge of making sure that the distributors were moving our product along and that the retailers didn't have any problem. But he was also responsible for identifying the local worthy causes in that particular metropolitan area or state that meant something to the residents there, something really important. And so we would back all manner of worthy causes throughout the United States, hundreds of different organizations, you know, clean up Delaware Bay, uh, you name it, coast to coast. And uh, it was great. We met some really wonderful people. Uh, we were able, and in fact, you know, we built the business up and we sold it and they said, well, you know, what, what are you really happy about having done the Barefoot Experience? It's really that. It's that we made a difference and our people made a difference. Through supporting the nonprofits yeah. in small communities. And you know, the thing is, as an employer, you have to remember that people, especially millennials, they want to make a difference. They want to work for a company that stands for something beside the product that it's selling. They want to know that when they go to work every day that they're making a difference. They're not just making a buck. And so this was a great avenue for them to get involved. And they would go to these worthy cause fundraisers and they'd speak from the podium and they'd help set it up and clean it up and you know serve and, and do all of the manual labor that nonprofits really need to, to pull off a fundraiser. But you know, once again, uh, it has to be done in a very deliberate fashion. It has to be done, you know, really well thought out. You have to work with the nonprofit. You have to find out what they can do, what they can't do. Uh, you know, and, uh, uh, you know, you have to make sure that the members of the nonprofit are people who would buy your product if they had the chance. They can't be people who either they can't afford your product or they have no use for your product. So, you know, if you're selling fishing reels, you want to go to the people that are trying to preserve the fisheries, right? And to uh, save the fish because they're, up the river. because they're the people who are going to buy those fishing poles, right? So, I mean, there's, there's marriages out there that can be discovered. It's pretty exciting, actually. So speaking of marketing, um, you've got this audio book. And um, I got the image on the screen for people watching the video. Uh, Michael Houlihan and Bonnie Harvey, tell us what your goal was uh, with uh, launching this bestseller book. Well, uh, the audio book really came out of the paperback. 
the, by the same name, it's the same story. We wrote the paperback because we learned so many lessons. We wanted to share it with the greatest number of people and particularly entrepreneurs about how to start a business. So then we began speaking um, throughout the world, really at schools that teach entrepreneurship and sharing our book with the students. And we saw more and more students coming into the room with earbuds in and they were listening to audiobooks. And we asked them what they were listening to and they said, well, I'm learning something that will help me um, understand this business that I want to go into better and help me succeed. And I said, well, we want to get our message out of all the lessons we learned and they were such hard lessons that uh, we don't want people <laughs> that are starting a business to be as discouraged by having all that pain and suffering that we had. We want to share that with a greater number of people. And if the young people and other people are listening to audiobooks, then that's what we're going to do. We're going to put it in an audiobook. But we weren't going to put it in just an ordinary audiobook. We had to make it very special. So we hired uh, a troupe from Hollywood professional actors and they acted out the parts there's 102 characters in the book so we had over 20 actors that uh read the conversations in the book and the dialogue in the book and and we had an excellent narrator as well we also had sound effects we've got an original music score and we also have ed asner who's playing one of the characters in the book so it is a real winning combination. Tell them what happened last week. And last week it was announced that we are finalists in the business and personal development category for the Audi Awards. It's like the Oscars for audiobooks. So yeah. we're pretty yeah. excited about that. Well, it says how hardship, hustle, and heart built America's number one wine brand. I didn't know that yes. was, that's pretty from, from, Oh, we got to collect some money to being number one brand. Now, now the little audio told us about the foot part of this, but what's that little halo over the toe about? Well, that's the spirit. Yes. Cause we're not doing wine anymore. It's it, what it is, is it's, it's the backbone. It's the backbone of the brand. It's what the brand stands for. It's what the founders stand for. It's the purpose. It's, it's not just a commodity, uh, you know. It's an attitude. I, I'm writing an article right now for the business journals on the difference between a brand and a label. Now, a brand is got some spirit to it. It's got some stuffing. It stands for something. It's got principles, okay? It has opinions, see? Now, a label doesn't. A label is just is just a logo that you can look at, you can identify and say, oh, that's my soap, right? But when you start talking about a brand, that's something much more uh, comprehensive than a label. And so we thought, you know, our brand was the foot. And so by giving it a halo, we add that kind of spirituality to the founders and to the brand, the brand purpose, and the way that the marketing program was executed 
to do a good job for everybody, as you call it, the win-win-win. And so, yeah, it, we gave it a halo. We figured it deserved one. And besides, <laughs> a big toe with a halo is kind of fun. <laughs> Russell, you want to explore this cause marketing thing or something else? Oh, yeah. I was, I was just thinking about that, how you've managed to spread. And it's been sort of like rapid fire, actually, you know, for what you've done. And tell me a little bit about what some of the typical organizations you support look like. What sort of things are in the DNA? Uh, because you pick these organizations as you go through. Tell me what kind of things are sort of in the DNA of the organizations that make the best partners for you. Well, I would say, uh, Russell, um, they were all underdogs like we were, okay? They were all up against insurmountable odds like we were. Um, and, you know, because they were, we knew that we could work together and they had spirit too. Uh, one group we worked with was the, uh, was the Mono Lake Committee. Mm -hmm. Now, Mono Lake is the second largest saltwater lake in the United States, and it's, it's one of very few. It sits at the doorstep to Yosemite National Park. Mm. But the Southern California Water Company was taking the water before it got to the lake, and the lake was drying up. Now, another lake right down the road already dried up because the water company had taken so much water. And they had the legal right to do it. So here these guys are trying to overcome this huge L.A. water company and all their team of lawyers. And they do it. They win. But After it, many years. It takes them about 25 years. They finally win. But the way they win is they convince everybody in Los Angeles that they only need one gallon to flush their toilet, not seven. And so there's <laughs> not as much demand for the water. Isn't that interesting? And they also get the, they also get the courts to take a look at this idea of the public trust. Yes, you have a legal right to take this water, but what is the overall implications to the society, you know? Um, and so, those are the kinds of issues that we really like. And the Surfrider Foundation, you know, they're up against, you know, the plastic pollution of the oceans, uh, you know, the oil companies, uh, all the stuff that's happening to our beaches. Uh, you know, they, they, they're running a tough shot. Lake Tahoe, they had the contractors and the builders up there, you know, basically wanting to pollute the lake so that they could make their money fast. Uh, but everybody knows that a green lake wouldn't attract anybody to buy those properties anyway. And so it turns out the federal government stepped in at the end. So we like to, we like to choose groups that are kind of the underdog, but they're on the right side of history, you see? And that's why we support uh, the, uh, the uh, uh, LG uh, or LGB L, L, uh, or the, LGBT, I'll get it out. All those letters, yeah. Yeah, all those, all those letters. letters. They That's, added a Q to the end. Too. Yeah, they got a Q to the end now. But anyway, the LBGTQ, we supported them uh, at a time when people thought if you touched another person who was gay, you were going to get AIDS. So just imagine, 
what that was like. And that was not, that was not centuries ago. That was just in the 1990s. And, and that's when we started supporting them. And we started to support them uh, because we said, you know, these guys and gals uh, are, have a problem that's going to affect us all. And we need to step up to the plate here. And we did. And it is now under control. But I mean, those are the kinds of issues that we look for uh, as business leaders. Uh, we look for, you know, issues that maybe they're underdogs today, but they're going to be on the right side of history tomorrow and, and try to support them and help them get there a little bit faster. I wish that we could have helped more organizations. <laughs> we didn't. We, we, did, we helped as many as we could. Yes. Well, you're... Um... You sold the winery a number of years ago, and you're you're still um, you call it yourselves consultants. What what is is it marketing consulting or general business consulting or what is it? Uh, it's really for uh, best for companies that are just starting off, or even somebody that has an idea. That's where we like to start because then we can help them start off on a firm foundation and really help them point them in the right direction to achieve the goals that they're looking for. Uh, but we help uh, small and medium-sized companies with uh, company culture, with how to build a team spirit in their own company so everyone's working towards the same goals instead of butting heads with each other. And um, that's one of the things that we were most proud of is that we eventually, we were in business for 20 years, so it was a 20-year overnight success. <laughs> it was a get rich, a get rich slow scheme is what yeah. it was. But the last five or seven years that we were in business, we had no turnover because by that time we learned how to have everyone working towards the same goal and loving what they were doing. You had so no turnover, no turnover. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. yeah. Right, so we can help other companies to figure out how they can do that in their own company so they have better company spirit. Well, the thing, the, the, yeah, that's the, so critical, yes sir. The, the, the thing is, uh, our clients are all entrepreneurs one way or another. Um, many of them are on the front end of entrepreneurship and they suffer from the same uh, misconceptions that we did, which are properly held misconceptions. You know, the biggest one is my product or service is so great, the world's going to knock down windows and kick out doors just to get to me, see? And won't then, happen. It won't happen, no. You're going to have to go the other way. Uh, but that's an, that's an example of a popularly held misconception. Or another one might be, well, when I have my own business and I'm the boss, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. That's a misconception. The fact is you're very fortunate to find good people and you would be very wise to figure out how to keep them and how to engage them. Um, Turnover is um, the number one, number one hidden cost in any business. Yeah. When you lose somebody, you lose all your training. You lose, you might even lose your customers. You lose your relationships with your vendors and those relationships can take years to develop. So some people won't even talk to you for the first couple of years, you know, I mean, that's a long time, <laughs> you know, they finally say, okay, you know, I'll give you a break. <laughs> so startups, you're, you're looking at um, entrepreneurs 
And right. really, we, we work with um, business startups and we work with nonprofit startups. They're both entrepreneurs. And yeah, they all are all entrepreneurs and they all face the same problems. Uh, one of the problems that we are addressing with what we call uh, business audio theater, you, you heard the clip, uh, we took the book, we've got the Hollywood actors acting it out. That's because we're living in a generation, the MP3 generation. You know, these are folks who want to listen to it and they want to listen to a story. They don't want to be lectured to, they want to uh, be uh, immersed in a story and then they want to draw their own conclusions. So what we're doing now for businesses and for nonprofits is we're taking the founder's story and we're breaking it down of their history. And then we're breaking that out into scripts. And then we're getting characters and actors to play the characters. And we're having action and we're having music and we're having sound effects so that you're able to just be the fly on the wall and see how this person came up with this great idea or how this great company or this great nonprofit organization was founded. You know, what were their founding principles? Where did they come up with all this? So it, it gives people a chance to identify uh, with the organization for whom they work. And uh, we believe it makes them more engaged and less likely to leave. Russell, what do you think in there? Well, you know. So we can keep the and uh, present that in a very entertaining way in story form for the employees or maybe for their vendors and their customers as well. When people know the story, that's, that's like the spirit behind it. You understand the principles, you understand the struggles, and you understand how it was developed and how it grew into what it is today. And when you have the story, you become more loyal to that company or that product. And um, that's what we have to offer our audiences today. Keep the, bear, keep the spirit alive of the founders. And that's why we call it, you know, hardship, hustle, and heart, because it is hardship. You don't know if you're going to make it. It's not like you're Johnny Paycheck. You, you are risking everything. You've got your credit cards all the way out, or maybe you're a nonprofit. You don't have enough money, you know, to make your payroll or whatever. Uh, th that's hardship. And to overcome hardship, you have to become creative. You have to become resourceful. And it is that human creativity and resourcefulness that is the magic. And when people hear scenes and listen to stories where solutions are, are discovered really because of hardship, people, people tend to say, oh my gosh, look at that. They solved it. Look how they solved it. See, and it opens up, you know, your own intellect. It makes you feel like maybe I could solve a problem like that. Yes. So it's empowering. Empowering. So, you know, people love a good story. It gives us a chance to relate to one another. And story is very important. And, uh, and this audio book, I love audio books. I mean, I'm in my car a lot. So it gives me a chance to connect. This is sort of how Cinevision gets its message out by this 
broadcast, having the podcast, where people who may not have time to sit still, everybody uh, can't join us at, at 2 p.m. Eastern. But, you know, they can go in, they can subscribe, and they can they can listen to us uh, at any point in time, and it's there yes. uh, for us, you know. So in bringing all the pieces together, and, and I remember Ed, Ed Asner very well. I mean, some of our younger uh, listeners may not know who Ed Asner is, but how were you able to convince him to become a part of this project? And, <laughs> and how far in were you when you decided to do this, <laughs> this uh, absolutely remarkable production? Because that's what it is, it's a production that tells a story and uh, how, how were you able to pull that together and what made you decide that this would be the venue that would really get recognition for Barefoot? Mm -hmm. Well, we, you know, we were out there speaking at colleges and universities, uh, 60 of them, you know, across mm -hmm. the United States and around the world. They, and what they all had in common is they teach entrepreneurship and I mean, uh, the people in the audience are all ages. Uh, many mm -hmm. people, they're, they're uh, corporate executives, but they want to start their own business. So they decide to go to school to see what they can find out about entrepreneurship. And here's Michael and Bonnie talking to them about some real hard knocks experiences. And we realized, like you said, people like story. And when a person listens to a story, uh, you know, if I say to you, uh, John walked into the office and pulled up a chair, your brain goes out and grabs a chair from your own memory. Your brain goes out and grabs a picture of an office from your own memory. And now you have participated in the story, you see, because you are creating the scene in your mind. That helps you remember it. And, you know, we, we got really excited when we saw some of these old posters, you know, from uh, the uh, RCA Victor days where the family was sitting around in the living room. This is before television back in the 1940s, right? And there's a radio program on and there's some actors and every actor has a mic and they're all reading script back and forth and they're going through these scenes and there's a guy making noises, you know, and there's, there's a band there playing music. So it's, it's quite a production. And we thought to ourselves, you know, look at how those people are transfixed looking at the speaker on that radio box. There's no, there's no video there. There's just a pattern of material. And they are staring at it like, you know, it's the only thing on the planet. And because they're so involved in the story that's taking place right in front of them. So it's like 3D audio. Yeah. And the 3D is your own participation in the story because you're seeing it in your mind. And that's what helps you remember. So if you've got good lessons that you want to share, like the founder's story, the people that you want to share it with, you have to present it in a way that they're going to uh, remember the best form that they can remember when that story. So that's how we decided to put this in story form. And another thing is about, we were talking about hardship and how everyone has this hardship. When we were talking to the students in these schools that teach entrepreneurship, mm 
I was surprised to hear them come up and say, no one's ever talked about their mistakes before. And you talked a lot about your mistakes. And I, well, we would say yes, because that's how you learn. You learn from your mistakes. Nobody does everything right. And they said, well, you make it sound believable. You make it sound doable. It's not like a Cinderella story where, you yeah. know, Prince the Charming fairy godmother comes along. comes along and taps you on the head and, whoa, you're a princess. No, it's a lot of work. And yeah. by sharing the hardships with people through in their own minds, that they can open up their minds and investigate how they can solve their own challenges or whatever challenge their company has. So that's what really makes it exciting, is it's stimulating. Yeah, we, we uh, were driving across the desert one time from Phoenix to Tucson, and I don't know if you've ever made that drive, but yeah. it is the Southwest desert, you know. Yeah. I mean, some people think it's beautiful, but it's rather stark. And so what do you do? You get in the car, it's a straight line, and you're doing 70 miles an hour, and it doesn't seem like the mountains are moving at all around you. And uh, so you turn on the radio, so we turn on PBS, and here comes Prairie Home Companion, right? Yeah. And they're doing skits, 1940s radio skits, and we're thinking, this is an amazing way to communicate with somebody, especially on a road trip, is to give them an audio story. You know, it's a, it's a great way because you, you're not gonna be watching video while you're driving, you know, or while you're jogging or changing your baby's diapers, but you could be listening to a story. So yeah, those, those are all the reasons why we chose it. We think it's the future. We think it's the way things are gonna go. Uh, you know, it, it, it is involved. You have to really think it out. I mean, it's just one notch below a movie. Uh, you, you don't have to set up the sets and everything, and you don't have the makeup, and you don't, obviously, you don't have the wardrobe and everything, but you do have uh, the skits. You, you, have, you have the dialogue. Uh, you know, you, you've got the intonation, uh, all of that stuff. And we were, we were very, very fortunate to have met up with uh, uh, Matt Wineglass of Sherwood Productions and his, his Sherwood team, uh, who are expert at this. And they produce real movies and uh, have received awards for producing real movies and, and uh, animation as well. And animation's interesting too, because that's all intonation and voice. So we felt that we were working, we had a, a good team, and uh, so we did it. And we're, we're just thrilled to be one of the five nominees in the world for best business audiobook of the year. That's a, that's a great story. We're winding down to our last seven minutes of the interview. So Russell, it jumps out to me that um, these folks are primarily problem solvers. <laughs> Yeah, here's a problem. Here's here's some assets. How do we put it together? But but it also jumps out at me is uh, we spend a lot of energy helping people overcome the name nonprofit. You know, it's it's a lie, and uh, so we, we really need to learn some really good business principles. And and really, what you've discovered is where there's abundance, where you have lack of imagination. There's you know you got this asset, this asset. Let's put it together, and you have abundance. 
So um, help us uh, share with nonprofits, how, how could they benefit from some worthy cause marketing as they're rethinking their presence in the world and fundraising? Well, if they open their eyes and their minds to how everyone in their community is touched by what they're doing, how it improves everyone, and uh, find arenas to put out that information to people and make it more enjoyable. And if they, oh gosh, if they can find a way to bring in more young people, Michael and I support a lot of nonprofits and we go to their events and I'm telling you, those people are getting older and older and I don't see their kids and I don't see their grandkids at this event. That has to be a key. As we've said, we love nature and any organization that supports nature and animals, you know, we're right there in our own community. And the, there's a lot of kids in Sonoma County, right here in Sonoma County, that haven't been out to the country, that have never been camping, and some have actually never even been to the ocean. Wow. Um, we have some nonprofits that are working with schools, school kids, and they're introducing them to nature. And I think that that is really important to bring more young people in. And another piece of advice that uh, I would give nonprofits is, Yes, they need money, but they tend to filter out companies that can help them in ways that might be more important than money just because they can't get money from them. So I ask that the nonprofits be a little more open-minded and realize that there's a lot of work to do out there uh, to really raise funds, to really run a nonprofit organization and you need all the help you can get. And as Bonnie says, looking for new venues to get the word out. Imagine, we took the Surfrider message to moms who had two kids who were pushing a cart in a grocery store. Well, that's access to a whole venue that they never had access to before. Yes. And so she's going, oh my God, my kids are in that water that they're trying to keep clean. I should support them. So what we did for them was we gave them an opportunity to take their message to a new potential group of donors, actually opened up the field of donors for them. And so that's what I would suggest that nonprofits do is, is open their minds uh, and, and uh, be a little bit more um, uh, flexible about the kind of help that they're getting. We got Russell, you got a short question? Well, yeah, I just wanted to say, well, you know, you're looking at that younger audience. Uh, I find them in art galleries. You can't have a first Friday without why. And the way that younger entrepreneurs like to network is at happy hour. So you guys are remarkable brand ambassadors for barefoot spirits and, and, uh, so that's, that's remarkable. Keep doing what you're doing. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank, Thank you. you. And I think if, if nonprofits were more open to working with each other, they can join forces and have a larger event and maybe get more people involved. Yeah. And as Michael said, it's not always cash that they need. 
I, I don't know exactly why, but there was a group here in Sonoma County that was helping to support um, animals and, you know, primarily, you know, pound animals. And um, a friend of mine offered to give them a lot of canned dog food for some reason. Maybe they were in that business or something. And they said, no, we only want money. We only want cash. Well, maybe you guys know more about the reason that would happen than I can think of, but certainly they need people on their staff that realize that they need a lot of things that, um, yes, money can buy, but a lot of people have things like a home where we have here, we've had nonprofits here to have their fundraisers. Or if somebody produces dog food and they want to give it to you and you're taking care of stray cats and dogs, I think it's a good idea that, you know, you take it in. It's not just the cash. There's a lot of support that people have and they want to support their communities. And another thing I would mention is nonprofits should take a look at companies that are starting out. They have a lot of energy and they're desperate. They, are, they don't have the money for advertising. So this can be a great opportunity for the nonprofit to say, look, you know, we've got 2000 members here, you know, maybe some of them would be interested in buying your products. Why don't you help us out? Here's what we need. And, and you'd be surprised what can be done. But yeah, it's, it's open mindedness. Yeah, open minded and an open heart. And big picture. <laughs> Look at the big picture. <laughs> Those are rare attributes, I do say, but they're so critical. Um, there's been a whole lot of good ideas. So I'm going to do a sponsor moment here, and then I'm going to throw it back to Bonnie and Michael. Do you have a cl another closing thought or a tip, or maybe a challenge for people today? Just a short closer before Russell ends this really helpful interview. So we want to thank you so much. Um, this is our magazine, um, Nonprofit Performance 360 magazine. This particular issue that was the last issue is on branding. And the, the woman on the front uh, used to work for, uh, for a virgin, and she has a brand called Twist and a book called Twist and uh, was, a, was a wonderful guest on our podcast. And each, each issue is full of really helpful articles about the topic of the, of the issue when we do several issues a year. But we, we stay in touch with our tribe. Our tribe is those people leading organizations. They're nonprofit leaders, organizational leaders, clergy. And we give them resources to build their culture, to build their vision, to build, actually to keep from burning out. <laughs> That's one of the top, top challenges for, for leaders today is the burnout. So we stay in touch with our, one of our sponsors is Word Sprint. WordSpread is a mailhouse. They print the magazine, high quality printing, but they put it in people's hands. And so we stay in touch with our donors, with our tribe, because they know what we're doing. So, so it's 30% the message, 30% the person, and 30% the regularity of the communication. 10% is the appearance. It needs to look good, but if we're too frivolous, it kind of works against us. So top of mind marketing. The wordsprint.com is where you find out about their services, and they have two and a half million mailings for two decades, and they can show you how regular mailings, putting something in people's hands, keeps your donors donating, keeps your team active, and keeps people talking about the good work that you're doing. So develop your story, but make sure you share it with people, wordsprint.com, Bill Gilmer and his team 
can really bring you lots of value and there's no harm, there's no cost in dialing them up and saying, what, what do you know and what can I learn? So Bonnie and Michael, um, this has been inspiring today. We'll have it transcribed in a few days and the podcast goes live in a few days. What do you want to leave people with, a tip or a challenge today? Well, just as you've said, people love story and they remember story. And everyone's got a story to tell. So for the founders out there and the leaders out there, we want to help you preserve your legacy. So connect with us at www.thebarefootspirit.com. And I would like to leave people with the idea that uh, if they get the barefoot spirit and listen to it on their next road trip, uh, I guarantee they're going to get a lot of great ideas that they're going to be able to apply right to their organization, whether it's a for-profit or a non-profit. And we would love you to come back and tell us some of those ideas. Again, this is not a list. This is not a lecture. This is not a textbook. It's stories, and they're fun, and they're surprising. <laughs> and that's at bare, barefootaudiobook.com, and you can get a sample. Yeah. We will put, um, we'll put that on the page, and you have, I want to repeat your URL, thebarefootspirit.com, which is also on the page, and consumerbrandbuilders.com. Russell. Well, it's been a remarkable journey. Thank you both for joining us and for the work you do. And thank you to all the nonprofit leaders who are out there who listen to this broadcast every week. We are here every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern time with the Nonprofit Exchange, where we bring you brilliant people like Michael and Bonnie, thought leaders from all walks of life all over the country who are doing things to build remarkable brands, remarkable organizations, and just like you, making an impact in the lives of people in their communities. You can join us here, or if you can't join us here every week, not to worry. This broadcast, the Nonprofit Exchange, is available on iTunes and Stitcher. So subscribe today so that you never miss an episode Come to the Center Vision Leadership website, centervisionleadership.org, the community for community builders. When you get to our homepage, big blue button in the corner that says join today. And we look forward to having you join us for conversations and looking at all of our resources. Thanks again to Bill Gilmer and his team. Uh, you did mention that you had written an article that probably had Sandy dancing around her computer because she will probably contact you for one. So she's our acquisitions editor for the nonprofit Performance 360 magazine. So, right. and you can find that in, uh, on Apple too. Thank you all very much for all the work that you do. We will see you again next week at the same time for the Nonprofit Exchange. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.